The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment... Oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that uncovers a little bit more about history every day. I'm Gabe Luzier, and today we're looking at how an amateur art thief turned a painting with a mysterious smile into one of the most iconic works of art on the planet. The day was December 12th, 1913. Leonardo da Vinci's Mona Lisa portrait was recovered from a hotel room in Florence two years after being stolen from the Louvre in Paris. The man behind the brazen robbery was Italian immigrant Vincenzo Perugia. He wasn't an expert cat burglar or even an art connoisseur. He was a handyman. And most crucially, he had once done a job for the Louvre. In fact, one year before he stole the Mona Lisa, Perugia was the one who installed the glass door and protective case that housed that very painting. This meant he knew how the Mona Lisa was fixed to its frame, as well as how to unfix it. You might imagine that Perugia targeted the Mona Lisa over the other paintings he helped install because of the portrait's world renown. However, at the time, the Mona Lisa wasn't famous outside the art world. In fact, the theft of the painting is how it became so widely known. 
before it was stolen, most people couldn't have told you the name of the portrait. Although, to be fair, it is called by different names. Da Vinci started work on the painting in the early 1500s as a commission piece for a wealthy Florentine merchant named Francesco del Gioconda. His surname provides the lesser-known title of the painting, which is La Gioconda, or as the French say, La Gioconda. The subject of the painting, and its other namesake, is believed to be Francesco's wife, Lisa. The name Mona Lisa roughly translates to My Lady Lisa, and contrary to what you may have heard about da Vinci falling in love with his subject, the title is likely intended from her husband's perspective. Unfortunately, the Renaissance painter never got around to finishing and delivering Lisa's portrait. When he died in 1519, it was one of many unfinished works he left behind. In the 19th century, art critics came to view the portrait as a master work, but it wouldn't become a household name until decades later, when Perugia stole it. The thief came to know the painting while on the job in 1910, but he selected it as a target a year later mostly because it was small enough to hide in his clothes. The oil-on-wood painting is smaller than you might think, measuring just 30 by 21 inches and weighing about 18 pounds. Of course, it weighed over 200 pounds when you factor in the frame and protective case, but again, Perugia knew exactly how to drop that extra weight. He stole the painting on August 21st, 1911. That was a Monday, which meant the museum was closed for cleaning. Accounts vary on how Perugia got inside the building. Some say he strolled right in through an unlocked door, while others say he hid overnight in a closet and emerged when the coast was clear. In either case, Perugia dressed like he belonged there. Since he had worked for the Louvre before, he already had the white outfit worn by its workers. He simply walked over to the Mona Lisa, removed the panel painting from its frame and case, and slipped it under his smock. He left the case where it was and ditched the frame on a staircase on his way out of the museum. The thief hit a small snag when he discovered the door was locked, but in a stroke of good luck, a friendly plumber noticed him struggling and opened the door with his own key. If that all sounds remarkably easy, that's because it was. At the time, most museums were poorly guarded and didn't even have alarms. The Louvre was no exception. It had 400 rooms full of priceless artwork, but only 200 guards to watch it all, with even fewer on the night shift. One result of this lax security was that Perugia didn't have to do much planning for his heist. Another result was that no one noticed the Mona Lisa was even missing until a full day later. Although to be fair, it wasn't unusual for works of art to be removed from time to time, either to be photographed or cleaned, so most of the staff probably saw the empty space and thought nothing of it. Once the news broke, it quickly snowballed into a national scandal. The French public was outraged, and dozens of detectives were tasked with tracking down the stolen art. Images of the Mona Lisa began appearing in newspapers around the world, transforming a relatively obscure painting into one of the most recognizable. 
Even the absence of the painting started to draw a crowd, with visitors flocking to the Louvre just to see the empty space where the painting used to hang. The police hunt for the unknown art thief dragged on for the next two years. During that time, the police chased every lead they could, even questioning a young Pablo Picasso because he had been caught buying stolen art pieces before. That proved to be a dead end, as did all their other leads. Detectives came the closest when they interviewed Perugia about the crime not once, but twice. However, they ultimately cleared him after determining that he couldn't possibly have pulled off such a high-profile crime. In the end, it was Perugia's own poor judgment that got him caught. He kept the painting stashed in a trunk in his small Paris apartment for the better part of two years. By late 1913, though, he decided he'd waited long enough and contacted an art dealer and gallery owner in Florence to arrange for the painting's sale. A meeting was set up, but unbeknownst to Perugia, the dealer had taken his letter straight to the police. On December 10th, he arrived at a hotel in Florence to hand over the painting, but was swiftly arrested instead. After his capture, Perugia claimed he was only trying to return the Mona Lisa to its native home of Italy. Apparently, he was under the false impression that Napoleon had stolen the artwork for France in the late 18th century. It's true that Napoleon's armies had plundered cultural artifacts from many of the countries they invaded, but that wasn't the case with the Mona Lisa. It had actually been brought to France by Leonardo da Vinci himself, and following the artist's death, it was purchased fair and square by King Francis I in the 16th century. Besides, even if Perugia believed his own story, his supposedly patriotic motivation was clearly a farce. In addition to the art dealer he had already contacted in Florence, Perugia also had a list of American art collectors, showing that he definitely intended to sell the painting and didn't especially care which country it wound up in. It's worth noting that rumors have circulated claiming that Perugia was working for a German art forger who planned to exploit the Mona Lisa's disappearance by selling fake copies on the black market. That story was never substantiated, and Perugia was the only one ever arrested for the crime. He was sentenced to one year and 15 days in jail, but even that relatively light sentence was later reduced to a mere seven months and nine days. It probably helped that no one was injured in his crime, and that the painting was able to be recovered unharmed. The Mona Lisa was eventually returned to the Louvre. It still hangs there today, nestled safely behind bulletproof glass under the watchful eye of multiple security guards, cameras, and alarms. It's estimated that more than six million people view the painting each year, though on average, they spend only about 15 seconds actually looking at it. That makes it seem like most people are just ticking off an item on their bucket list rather than genuinely appreciating what's on display. But hey, it's still better than the two years the painting spent locked inside of some random guy's trunk. I'm Gabe Lusier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. 
You can learn even more about history by following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. And if you have any comments or suggestions, you can send them my way at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thanks to you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. If you're committed to living a healthier life, you might want to look into working herbs into your wellness routine. There's a reason people have trusted them for thousands of years. Nature's Way understands that nature is the ultimate problem solver, and they're constantly inspired by the power of nature. For example, their ginger root and slippery elm bark have been traditionally used for digestive support. And St. John's wort, holy basil, and ashwagandha can provide mood and stress support. And because Nature's Way sources from around the world and does a ton of comprehensive potency and quality testing in their state-of-the-art lab, you can be sure you're getting top-quality herbs. To learn more, visit naturesway.com. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network work.